Good evening, friends. Welcome to Borderline. I'm podcasting's Danny Buckler. How have you been? How's your week been? Welcome to the latest episode of Poland's number 36 ranked comedy podcast, according to the email that I received last week and that I will not stop harping on about. I'm also apparently ranked on iTunes now, according to another email that I received from a complete stranger that um, promised to let me know exactly where I was ranked if I crossed his palm with silver. So I think we can all agree that'd be bullshit. But it's nice that you're here. I don't give a monkeys. I don't care who listens to this as long as you do. As long as you're listening to this, I'm fine. Everyone else can do one. You're the only one that's important to me right now. Me and you. Wherever you happen to be listening to this, your bathtub, your car, on a country lane, who knows. But the point is this, me and you are having a chat. Don't tell the others. And I'm just back in from the coffee house. Oh, where I was channeling some serious raw hawk wheat energy. Oh, this... This guy did not pick a good day to be a bad guy. What happened? I'll tell you. In I went. Busy it was. Rushed off their feet they were. This is the coffee house I mentioned last. You may, if you're a regular borderliner, you may have uh, chanced upon the last episode where I spoke about table or something. And um, apparently I'm the bad guy, by the way. If you listen to the last episode, I talked about my fury at being gazumped on tables in coffee shops. How when, when someone's behind you in the queue and they send somebody from their party to scout ahead to nick the table, that should by rights be yours. And apparently I'm the villain in this, uh, according to uh, one listener. Um, I don't want to name the man for embarrassed. I don't want to, don't want to embarrass him, but let's just, for, for argument's sake, it rhymes with Len Burl. Told me that I was the bad guy. For being annoyed at these these young mums. He, the, he took the young mum's side for stealing up the tables and just hoovering up all the space. Oh, he was with them. Apparently I'm the villain in this. That appears to be the, the relationship we're having, by the way. He's very much Bruce Wayne and I'm very much Arthur Fleck. But, yes. So apparently I'm the bad guy in this. I don't care, though. Today, though, I wasn't. Today I was righteous because I'm in the... It's busy in there today rushed off their feet and I got to the front of the queue but they've got a bat log on so they're trying to get that all out and I'm I'm there very calmly waiting my turn I know how hard they work and they're good people and they're friends of mine and it doesn't matter I can wait a few minutes let me they're clearing out the orders and a small queue forms behind me of people making faces and tutting but they don't understand you know there's, there's an awful lot of work to be done here to catch up there's two people doing the shift of 10 so when, but my turn comes as it inevitably does because that's how time works. And I order my oat milk latte. And as I order it, out of the corner of my Batman eyes, I just see him. I see him. Up, up, this, this, this. This man. Someone in that weird section between middle and old age. You know, the, the winter snow. Him and his girlfriend turn up. Or wife, whatever she is to him. And he, and I, yeah, this is, this is, because he actually saw me. He saw me. We made eye contact. And then he saw the table that I was gunning for. And they turned to her and very clearly went, you go and grab that table. Like I saw that, I could, I could lip read from that sort of distance. You don't fool these senses. Go and get that table. And I saw her move. Now, she, they, they, they had not picked the, a good day to be a bad guy, right? Because unbeknownst to them, I was invoke. I've spent the afternoon invoking Ra Horkwit, the, the eagle-headed Egyptian god of cool. And my, I was in the zone, mate. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm defining my reality today. Not you, son. And I swept into action, didn't I? Coat off the shoulders, whoom, across the room, over the back of the chair, dropped the bag down, turned around and locked gaze with him. <laughs> and he had nowhere to go because he was wrong. He was wrong and I was righteous. Stared right into his soul. Right into his soul across the room. Yeah. 
you dismissed with the wrong man, boy. And he sort of huffed. He huffed! <laughs> he huffed. Sorry, asshole. You have no move here. The table is mine. Then straight back to the counter. An oat milk flat white, please. And it was the sweetest oat milk flat white I had ever tasted. Sitting in that chair, watching him mumbling under his breath. That was the cool thing as well, knowing for the rest of the day, he has no peace. And I get to go home a winner. <laughs> Welcome to Borderline. <laughs> I'm not the bad guy. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not the bad guy. Coffee, coffee shop etiquette should be observed. If you're next in the queue, you get the next table. I'm not a villain. But it's like they say, you know, if you're a hero and you live long enough, you become the villain. And it does feel like a, sometimes this podcast does feel a little bit like a, a supervillain's origin story, especially if you ever see the video version. Me sitting here like the Mandarin in Iron Man, <laughs> broadcasting away. I'm a teacher. Are you ready for your next lesson, Mr. President? The Ben Kingsley Mandarin, the fake Mandarin. Obviously, they, they reinvented the Mandarin for the recent Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, a Marvel film. The first Marvel film I had to do in two sittings because it bored me. I've got to be honest. It, I, I mean, I'm Marvel's boy all the way. I'll go and see all of it. I'll follow. I'm, I'm even going to make myself watch The Eternals, which I've been avoiding just, 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 for, so, just for completeness, just so I'm in the, in, the, in the loop. I know nothing about the... I'm comic book literate and The Eternals are beyond me. But Shang-Chi, I mean, it's all right. It's all right. It's, it's, it's entertaining enough, but you can't be entertaining enough anymore in that universe. Do you know what I mean? After what they've achieved, you, you, maybe if it was one of the first ones, but now you can see when they're coasting and this felt like coasting. It, it's, um, you know, Shang-Chi is the master of Kung Fu and there weren't, and there was great Kung Fu in it. I mean, there's some amazing fight sequences, but like, Nothing you haven't already seen, you know. I wanted more. I wanted some kind of a, a bit more f kung fu, for want of a better, just you know, a little bit more. I want to. He's supposed to be the greatest martial artist in the Marvel universe. I needed to see a bit more of that. It was all a little bit lost. It was just wishy washy. I tell you what, it felt like. You know, when there's like a big budget, you sometimes get this happen where there's a big budget film of say something like um, War of the Worlds. And then the, the BBC do a production of it about the same time. And they sort of come out within a few months of each other. And the BBC one is always about four hours longer. And it's all, it's not as good. You can see, it's just not as good. There's something missing. There's a quality to the BBC one that the big budget one hasn't got. Most notably, they did the, uh, a production a couple of Christmases ago. They did The Whale, uh, like a two hour film, The Whale, at the same time as they were making Heart of the Sea, the same story. And Heart of the Sea is... Fantastic. I could watch that. And the whale is handy if you've run out of Xanax and you're looking to knock yourself out for a night. So this felt like that. Shang-Chi felt very, um, just weak source. Not a bad performance in it, but oh, but what got me to that was the Mandarin, of course. Yes, yes. I don't plan these things. Can you tell? Um, because the, the real Mandarin is in Shang-Chi. Uh, because they couldn't use him in... So the Mandarin is a big... If you're not a comic book person, the Mandarin is the big Iron Man baddie. He's Iron Man's greatest foe, and Iron Man never really faced him in the films for many reasons. I believe it's something to do with China. That uh, uh, China are a big sales 
For Marvel, movies, China are a big market, but they won't have a film with an Oriental villain being beaten by an American hero. So um, the Mandarin's out because he's about as Oriental as you get in the comic books. So they kind of reinvented him as a, a fraud, an American fraud played by Ben Kingsley. And this Mandarin, it's fine for him to be an Oriental villain because he's facing an Oriental hero. That's fine. Like they can fight in China and it's cool. So he's in this film as um, the villain of the piece. Wonderfully cast, but just, again, you know, I wanted to be terrified of him. I wanted a terrifying nut job flying around, shooting lightning out of bolts out of the ten rings of power on his fingers. You know, an unstoppable force. And I just got, sort of got this weird... I'm speaking out of school. I've only seen the first two thirds. I shut it off. I've not even finished it. How about that? A Marvel film I've not even finished. I intend to. Just haven't got round to it yet. Put that on the poster. <laughs> there you go. You want to sell your film? I do plan on finishing it at some point. Borderline. <laughs> Welcome, my friends. What's happening in your world? Speaking of comic book heroes, Monica Vitti passed away. Who's that I hear you cry? Um, actually, not necessarily. Some of you probably do know who she is, but in case you don't, she was an Italian... I'm not going to pretend that I'm an expert on her or anything like that, or a massive fan. But there is something about her that I love that I'm going to mention here. She was um, an Italian actress. I mean, she, she, an Italian actress of the 60s. Very beautiful. And appeared in some amazing Italian films that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce because it would be an insult. But she was also cast in the big budget film of Modesty Blaze in the 60s, one of the first comic book adaptions. Uh, Modesty Blaze is a female spy with a male psychic. And in the film, the male psychic is played by Terence Stamp, Willie Garvin. And that's how I, and that's how I know about her, because I'm obviously obsessed with Terence Stamp. You know, it's, it, I don't believe it's any secret. I might even one day tell you the story about... The occasion that Terence and I spent time together. But um, I'd never mention it normally. But um, yeah, she was Modesty Blaze. And she's... English was not her first language. And this was her first English language film. And so she was learning some of her lines phonetically, I believe. She wasn't quite comfortable with the flow of it. Plus the fact that Bogart had been cast as the big baddie. Dirk Bogart is the villain in the Modesty Blaze film. Very, you know, at that point, supposedly, that point in, the, in a man's career when he, he stops being a romantic lead and becomes a character actor. But Dirk wasn't quite ready to let go of the romantic lead yet. And was, by all accounts, an absolute prick on the set. I mean, he was a, just a nightmare to work with and he wasn't particularly generous with her or Terence. He was very jealous of Terence. Because he saw that was the young guy coming up to steal his thunder. So she had that to deal with. And it's, you know, it's, it's awkward when you're in a performing situation where you're working opposite someone that you know is against you. You know, there's some wonderful stories about Tommy Lee Jones being an absolute arsehole to Jim Carrey on the set of Batman Forever. Imagine that. Imagine being in that two-faced costume with your face half covered in bubble gum, looking at Jim Carrey in his Riddler outfit, on the set of the Batcave, and deciding now's the moment for me to throw an artistic temper tantrum. <laughs> now it's time for me to pull rank. Don't you think you're stealing this film from me, mate? God, Tommy Lee Jones was miscast in that. 
What an awful representation of Two-Face that truly was. We don't, we've not seen the definitive Two-Face yet, I don't think. We get very close in The Dark Knight, but there's not enough of him. He's, he's not Two-Face long enough, and there's not... He just seemed to be furious when he becomes Two-Face in The Dark... Oops, spoiler alert. When Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face in The Dark Knight, he's just furious. He is flipping the coin and making choices, but you don't get that duality like Two-Face always refers to himself as we, you know, he, he kind of, he's two people in one body, he has conversations with himself, he has arguments with himself, you know, he's he's constantly torn between the, his two personalities, we didn't get any of that in The Dark Knight, we just went from zero to absolutely furious, going to kill everybody. So I think the definitive Two-Face is still to come. You know, I, mean, I thought we had a definitive Joker with Heath Ledger, but then, you know, a few years later... Wasn't I proven wrong there? God, that film's incredible. I love Joker. Anyway, back to Modesty Blaze, because that's what I'm talking about. Now, she, she had a hard time on the set, and then the film came out, and she had a rough time off the critics for it as well. It, it wasn't well received. And I believe it flopped. It, I, I don't think it was a successful film. But the point is this. She, she came back, and she came back really strong. She went back to Italy, and she reinvented herself and continued to do so throughout her career. It didn't phase her for a second. And that's what I love about anyone. That ability to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep going. Especially in show business. Because there's so many performers that fall at that first hurdle. You get the big shot. It doesn't quite work. You get a knocking or a cyber kicking in the modern... You know, and that's actually done. Well, I won't try anymore, but not her. And she segued into comedy. There's a, a wonderful film that she's in that I have seen where she plays... Um, I forget the Italian... It's called Stardust in English. But that's, that's the English title. It's an Italian film and I forget the Italian title. God, this is embarrassing. Poor research buckles. But she plays half of a musical act in that. And the, the premise is that they're trying to put on a show for the troops in World War II and they're trying to achieve Broadway production values on no budget. It's very, But it's very funny. Wonderful premise. She's very funny, in it? She's not just a coasting on her looks or a kind of voluptuousness. You know, she's absolutely... You know, got proper decent comedy chops. It's very worth seeking out. So she passed away. And it made me feel sad when I saw she'd gone. It did make me feel a little sad. Even though I'm not that... In, you know, I, I knew her through Terence's writing about her in his books. And a little bit of, you know, online. But it's something about... It's another one from that wonderful era gone. That was part of it. You know, that lovely period, the 60s. In... in Europe in the 60s, you know, when it was all sunshine and what well, it seems to be when you watch the documentaries and the idea of these great Fellini and these people making these wonderful creative films and, you know, Orson Welles out in Spain making these crazy documentaries like F for Fake. And, uh, yeah, wonderful time. That time I fantasised, I wish I'd lived that, that era. That would be my ideal. That would be my ideal. Born just at the end of the war, so I didn't have to go through that. Being my prime for the 60s, my artistic prime, swatting around Europe, drinking wine, eating cheese, chatting with Orson Welles and Yul Brynner, you know, and Bridget Bardot and hanging out with that whole scene. And then, you know, sort of the 70s, things go a little off the rails. Maybe go to India to find myself to come back for the 80s and segue into character roles and uh, talk show appearances with Johnny Carson. And then, you know, retire in the 90s and enjoy myself. And then round about now, I'd be on a series of... 
I'd be that old guy, or that guy on YouTube where people are watching the old talk show appearances on YouTube. Be one of them. Is he still alive? He is, yeah, he is. He's 88. Wow. He looks good for 88. How's he done that? Yoga, Pilates, Balgua. Very strict health regimens. Maybe we could meet him. Where do you think he hangs out? There's a cafe in Covent Garden that he goes to once a week. Do you reckon if we hang around him, we might see him? Who knows? He is a London legend. Is that too much to ask? Yes. <laughs> Unless somebody invents a time machine. Mm. Which could happen. I'm sure Elon Musk is on it. I'm sure that's on his list of projects. As soon as he's got us into Mars and he's sorted out the electric cars, because we've all got one and we're all driving through tunnels, a time machine must surely be next. I was talking about him last night. I was at my gig and uh, I was chatting to the techs, as is my want. A very friendly man, me. If I make your gig, I'll talk to you. I, I talk to everyone. I'm like Tom Hardy in that meme that's going round. Is that mean? That Whether he said it or not, I've got no idea. He probably didn't. I know how these memes work, but it's a photograph of Tom Hardy coming out of a hotel, but he's, re he's reaching across his security to shake hands with the guy that's opened the, the doorman on the hotel. And then the quote on it is, I was raised to treat the doorman the same as the CEO. Did he say it? Did he not? I've got no idea. Tom Hardy's a dude by all accounts. If he didn't say it, he does embody it. But that's me. I'll talk to anybody. Basically, because I'm, you know, lonely. So I was chatting away and I don't know how somehow it came up about Elon Musk. And uh, one of the, the tech guys who would do the sound and lights was saying, yeah, you know what? I'll tell you what the thing about Elon Musk is, right? The thing about Elon Musk is he just works really hard. That's all it is. Just works really hard, doesn't he? Hey? 16 hours a day he works. That's all it is. And I thought, yeah. But then I thought, no. I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that. I mean, I could put in a shift. I could put in 16 hours a day. And believe me, you are not getting any closer to Mars. Or time travel or electric cars. I could put in 16 hours a day and all you're getting basically would be more of this. And some pithy Instagram Instagram posts. That's like it. You're not going to get any, no one, nothing mega is going to come out of me putting 16. So there's more to it than the 16 hours a day helps. I'm not saying it doesn't, but you know. I think the genius level of intellect might also play a factor in this. I would love to meet Elon Musk. He's on my list. Let's see if I can use the secret to make that happen. Let's see if I can manifest that with my mind powers. Let me see if I can make it. Let's see if we can make that actually happen one day. That old Buckles gets to have a coffee with Elon Musk. Speaking of the secret and mind powers, Bob Proctor. That was sad, wasn't it? I saw that on the Facebook today. Bob Proctor died, didn't he? he passed away at the, at the age of 88. Now, I'm well aware probably half my listenership is now going, who's Bob Proctor, mate? That's not a name we recognise. That's not one of your 60s icons. Who's that then? For the benefit of those who don't know, I will tell you. I know, again, I know very little about the man, apart from the fact that he was in The Secret. And he was one of the people in The Secret that I actually liked. The Secret, I'm sure you know what The Secret is. Or as Jimmy Carr very aptly dubbed it, The Bullshit. It's this film about the law of attraction, which is the idea that, you know, your thoughts become things that whatever you, the things that you think about come true in your life. That if you think of happy thoughts, only good things can happen to you. There may be some truth in, in, in it. 
In fact, well, by pretend, of course, there's, there's, there's a nugget of truth at the... But the presentation of the secret, that be bullshit. The way they put it across in that, you know what I mean, is 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 um is nonsense. I mean, it, 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 the girl that wrote it, I think, it was, you know, you're only fat because you're thinking fat thoughts. See, that's what it gets... That's what puts me off it, all that stuff. You're only ill because you're thinking ill thoughts. Balls to you, you know that's not true, and it's and it's just lays another another put of another layer of blame on people. I'm ill, and I've got to feel bad about that, and now I've got to feel bad that I did it to myself in my bad thoughts. Thanks, Rhonda. Yeah, so the secret can do one, but but there's, there's some stuff people so there are some people in it that are awful, but there are some people in it that weren't awful that were good. I'm a big fan of Michael Beckwith, for example. He's in it, and I could listen to him for hours. Don't watch him on The Secret, but watch him being himself on YouTube. And I'm telling you what, on a Sunday morning, if you're ever down, do push-ups while listening to Michael Beckwith. You will be on your feet in five minutes. He will lift your spirit to the sky. That man can preach. He's good medicine. And he's the right side of demented. Do you know what I mean? Like the things he talks about, about it's just, just, he's just a joyous man to listen to. And then you've got, I think, James Arthur Ray's in The Secret as well, who's uh, someone you might want to consider avoiding. Google his name to find out why. Let's just say people died on his watch. There's a great documentary about it called Enlighten Us, um, which is a wonderful exploration of ego gone, ego gone wild, recklessness, madness and it but but tragedy tragedy deep tragedy because it ends with a self-help guru effectively leading i think it's two possibly three people to their deaths and at least 19 others into serious injury and then refusing to take any responsibility for it so there's, there's awful people in the secret but there are good ones beckwith's good and and proctor bob proctor was wonderful a lovely man to listen to a self-help speaker take it or leave it um a metaphysical teacher again whatever floats your boat but you know you could tell when you heard him speak he was a decent guy you know whether you believe in his thing or not he and him he did and there's something about that that i quite like he was authentic he wasn't he believed in his own stuff. It wasn't cynical. You know, I've done an NLP course and now I'm going to sell it, but not really live it. He actually believed in his own thing, you know, and... Again, a very lovely... I mean, whether you apply what he teaches or not, just listening to him, the nature of him, the tone of his voice can cheer you up. It was, I was quite sad to see him gone. I mean, I mean 88's no age. He got to 88. I mean, he had an innings. It wasn't like a tragic, you know, it wasn't taken too soon from us or anything, but it was quite a... I remember seeing that thing for the first time. Mm. I was living in a house at the time. I was with, uh, with my friend Kate and I was just surfing the internet one night and it popped up. Someone had uploaded it to YouTube. It hadn't even been released then because there's a whole thing with it. It got, re it got released and then it got pulled and then it got re-released because of Esther Hicks. Esther, the original version of The Secret features a lady called Esther Hicks, who channels the spirit guide Abraham, whatever floats your boat, love. So she sits there and well, was it sits there and does the voice. I never buy it. I don't like. I don't buy it. I, I mean, I, I 
whether she buys it, whether, maybe she believes she's channeling this entity. I don't buy it. But anyway, so she'll, she'll, she'll sit down and she talks in a voice like this and she explains to you that we are a vortex of energy and we are at the tip of the vortex and all this kind of thing. And her husband, Jerry, used to sort of sit next to her with his mouth hanging open going, this is amazing. Look, I'm here. we're talking to a fifth dimensional being with no evidence apart from the fact my voice, my wife's putting on a voice. Like the voice from Doom. Anyway, so she's in the original version of The Secret. And apparently, but when it was all cut together and chopped up the way they chopped it up, she took one look at it with her husband and went, no, you could cut me out of that. You know, you, you cut out, you know, because they basically cut out any reference to actually doing something. You know, they, they left in all the think nice thoughts and a car will appear on your drive. But they left out the bit about actually going to earn the money to pay for the thing. You know what I mean? They've kind of edited any practicality out of it. And she, to her credit, she didn't like it. And she felt it was giving false, a false take on her thing. So she had herself removed from it and they replaced her with a, another speaker. I think it was Lisa Nichols. But I saw the original version with her in it. And of course, we're going back a good few years here when it first came out. So at least at least 15, 16 years when I was, you know, a little more susceptible to these things. Longer than that, 20 years nearly. So I'm sitting there watching it. I think, oh, I found a secret universe. Just think happy thoughts and all nice things will happen to you. But like all these things, they only work if you do them. I want to tell my friends about it. Have you seen the secret? Thoughts are things. And of course, the high wears off and you realise, right. <laughs> but I do remember him from that, from that first viewing, because I just liked him. He was just, he was just such a, a kindness behind the eyes. Yeah, and I believed him. Whether or not I believed in it, I believed him. And now he's gone. I saw the Facebook post, but he's continuing his cosmic journey. Oh, that was quite sweet. Gave me the impression that he, he, he passed in a similar manner to the turtle from Kung Fu Panda, which is how I intend to go. I fully intend to leave this earth in the style of Master Uguay from Kung Fu Panda. I want to, that's how I want to go. Not in the back of an ambulance or in a hospital bed or, you know, I want to sort of, Hear a note on the breeze. I want to hear the cosmic note on the breeze. Just have a little breeze come through the garden, a few, few blossoms falling, smell the air, stand up and just say to whoever I'm with, my, my 22 year old girlfriend, it's my time. And then <laughs> just just gently walk up to my, my, my Tai Chi place under the tree, assume Assume the horse stance, my arms waving in the air. As a flute plays, I dissolve into blossom. That'll do me. Is that too much to ask? If I can't have 1960s time travel, if I can't go back in time and become a 60s icon, can I at least leave this place like Master Uguay from Kung Fu Panda? <laughs>